Welcome to Pushing Through. It is Tuesday, June 30th. I am Tate Frazier, and as always, I am joined by the kid, BJ Armstrong. BJ, what's going on in your world? Wow, it's a lot going on, Tate. It's a lot going on. We uh, we had the VET Awards, which I was excited mm. about. Mm. Uh, we got a little news. We got a little NBA. We got yes. a little bit of this, a little bit of that. We got Cam. Mm. Cam in... Uh, in New, in New England, England. <laughs> no one ever thought that. Where did that come from? So uh, we got a lot of things, Tate. Let's get to it, man. All this intro stuff. Let's just get to the. Let's get to the action here. Let's we all about it. that action. Let's get about that action. And uh, you know, one of those things I want to talk about is one of your favorite shows, BJ. But we we have a special show first. We have uh, Jr. Reed's going to join us. Uh, one of your former teammates from the Charlotte yes. Hornets. We'll get to that a little bit later. But first, your favorite TV show. One of my favorite TV shows. Curb your enthusiasm. Season eleven. <laughs> Larry David, he says, uh, you know, they haven't canceled him yet. Uh, he, he's surprised by this. But Larry David is one of the people that you love and I love. And uh, I know that he makes you laugh so much. So we're very, we're very excited about this, right? Uh, season 11, Curb Your Enthusiasm, Larry David. Well, I'm really excited about it. And I'm going to only admit this here. And if Larry is listening, <laughs> I've been at a few functions with him. Mm -hmm. And there aren't many people that make me fan out. But I want to say something to him so bad every single time I see him at an event. But I've, thus far, I've had the restraint not to say anything. And I've run across him a few times at like breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't even eat my finish my breakfast because I'm just laughing the entire time, you know? And, uh, but this is great. I love it. This is one of the few shows that my wife and I actually will both mm -hmm. sit down together and watch. Mm -hmm. and enjoy together so this is uh in the armstrong household this is really uh family entertainment at its uh at its greatest yeah the social assassin himself a man that is out and about in la uh you know like you said he's a he's a character that is out and living in the world and he seems like he is the larry david from the show i like you said i mean i've seen him one time out at a bar uh, i think it was a laurel hardware and all i wanted to do was just one, say, thank you so much, sir, but I would never do that. But then you just laugh at him. You see him do things like go pick up a drink, and it's just somehow the funniest thing you've ever seen, which is why comedians get upset, because it's just a bunch of people looking at you and laughing at you all the time. You know, uh, the, the thing <laughs> is, when you when you see him, or you see him out, and uh, this is so embarrassing to say, but when you see him out, you're going, okay, that's just a character. He's just acting. <laughs> I don't think he's acting. Yes. He is not acting. When you talk to him... His voice is the same. His mannerisms are the same. Mm. And now I love the show even more because you know what? He's probably truly that character. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it's so funny to me. So um, that's great. I'm, yeah. I'm excited now for uh, another year of uh, our, uh, our best character, Larry David. Larry David, one of the best. And uh, you're speaking about characters. One of the biggest characters in football, and you brought it up at the top of the show, Cam Newton, a guy that has been in Charlotte, you know, drafted in 2011, number one pick, the MVP in 2015. We, we all know Cam Newton's story, um, but but the story shifted this year. The Carolina Panthers cut him. Everyone was wondering, where will Cam go? He couldn't get evaluations because there are no team doctors. So it, it was all up in the air what, what his future would look like in football. And then all of a sudden yesterday, B.J. Armstrong, the most shocking thing in a world that is very shocking right now, probably the most shocking thing uh, that I could ever imagine, the New England Patriots decided to pick up the phone and sign Cameron Newton to be their quarterback. 
uh, the, the odds have shifted. He, he is now an M- one of the MVP favorites. He, the, the Patriots are now more of a Super Bowl favorite than they were with Tom Brady. Um, all these things are happening, but I still have to ask you, BJ, what happened uh, two months ago? People said Cam Newton's career is over, and now he's going to save the New England Patriots. It's funny how sports work. Yeah, it, it really is. And first of all, shout out to Cam Newton. I'm a mm-hmm. huge Cam fan. QB1. And he is one of those you know athletes that you look at and you go mm-hmm. physically you see all of the you know he has all of the tools right mm-hmm. he has every thing that you can imagine physically that you could want and you know he has the arm strength he has all of the things intellectually he's he's right there and um now he's getting into a situation when he when it was first announced the first thing i thought of was this conversation i had many years ago with Bill Russell, we were in London or somewhere for some event. We were at the same event and it was all these great players were there. And I remember asking Bill Russell, I was like, can you just share something with me that really pushed you over the top Mm -hmm. as a great player? Obviously you were going to be a great player no matter what. And one of the things that he mentioned to me, and, and I always relay this to, to all of the players that I, that I work with as clients here is he said he was lucky to have a great coach. Mm-hmm. He said that was one of the requirements to being a great player is you have to get lucky to have a great coach mm-hmm. and not, not to take away anything that the coaches you, you've played for. But what I, and reminded me when he said that to me, I was, it reminded me of my career, my first initiation into the NBA was I had a Hall of Fame coach mm-hmm. and Phil Jackson. And then I began to think about, you know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. He had a Hall of Fame coach, not only in, in the NBA, but in college. But in, in college. Mm-hmm. And when I started to think about all of these great players, it always comes down to you. They've had great leadership or great mentors or people that they trust to help them propel them over the top. And when I thought about Cam, I go, now he has an opportunity Mm -hmm. to play for someone who's incredibly organized and that he can continue to grow in the way that I know, you know, he, I'm sure he's, you know, he has the same aspirations of everyone who's ever competed, uh, whoever played sports, they want to win and win a championship. Well, now he has that. He has someone who not only can talk about it, who actually understands it and who is organized enough to really figure out how to integrate his talent into this team concept. So I was excited for him. And it just reminded me of that conversation. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you got to get lucky to have an opportunity to play for one of these great coaches. You know, Tim Duncan played for, you know, um, you know, Greg Popovich. You know, you mm-hmm. hear, you know, um, Shaquille O'Neal talk about when he first came to play for uh, Phil Jackson and Pat Riley and all of these wonderful coaches here, but you, uh, that's what stuck out to me immediately. I was like, mm-hmm. okay, let's go, let's get it. And, uh, where do I get my cam Jersey? You know, number one, I'm looking for it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we're ready for it. And and you mentioned Cam Newton, right? I mean, he's undefeated against the Patriots in his career. The only quarterback in the league that is, you know, he's 2-0 against Bill Belichick. So obviously Bill Belichick will remember that, know that, respects Cam's talent. But you mentioned the coaches that Cam has had when he's in college, Gene Chizik. 
Gene Chizik is not a head coach anymore in football, not to say anything about Gene Chizik, but Gus right. Malzahn was his offensive coordinator, and now he was the coach at Auburn. But again, not that central figure that's that's there as his coach. He goes to Carolina. Ron Rivera is his first time being a head coach, so he's finding his footing as well. It's not one of those established coaches that you can listen to. And then when Norv Turner, a guy who was you know an established coach in the NFL, came in as his offensive coordinator, Norv Turner was the one who apparently called Bill Belichick and said, give Cam a chance. Cam's got a lot left in the tank. I believe in Cam. I think that right. he actually will fit your system really well, and that's an established coach vouching for Cam. And I think that's what I'm excited about as well, um, to have you know someone like Bill Belichick with the way he looks at the game of football and say, I'm going to use the talents of Cam Newton and put him in a position to succeed, not ask him to use those, those intangibles to help us try to win. You know, I'm, I'm going to put him. In, I'm going to put him behind a good offensive line. Not let him get hit, and see what happens. And I think uh, I don't know. I'm very excited to see if a 40 year old quarterback like Tom Brady can thrive behind that offensive line and the defense that they have. <laughs> I believe that Cam Newton will be okay, and uh, that's what I'm excited about. Well, it, you know, it, 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 a lot of things have to come together, Tate. And yep. um, you know, when when like I said, when when Mr. Russell, and I want to put some <laughs> respect on his name, said yes. that to me. I immediately, I already had a high regard for Red Arbeck, what he was able to do, mm-hmm. but then it just kind of solidified of saying, you know, that just like, you know, you have good coaches or good players, you have great players, and you have some of them that have exceptional talent. Well, the mm-hmm. same thing goes, and you know, you don't ascend to the professional ranks or collegiate ranks without being good at what you do, but some of them are just elite. Mm-hmm. And when you talk about Saban at Alabama and you talk about Belichick here what we're talking about or you know you talk about some of these wonderful coaches uh, some of them have ascended to a different space and um, I'm, I'm just excited for him to see one that he's hopefully he's healthy and mm-hmm. two to see what he could do because mm-hmm. now he has a system we know that works we know he has the talent and if those two could come together man yeah, and it, I mean, it's going to be great. It, it's one of the, you know, to put it in, a, mar- to put it in a Marvel yeah. context, you know, for me as a fan of football, it's going to be hilarious to see New England Patriots fans have to go from Captain America to the Black Panther. You know what I mean? And here comes Cam hey. Newton, and hey. he's going to make some noise. What if I, what if my guy Megatron came out of retirement? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. You know, yeah. I'm just saying here. I'm, I'm excited for this. And uh, I like the idea of just putting all the MVPs up there. Like we, we get Megatron, Adrian Peterson somehow goes up there. And there's hey, this, like, now you're talking to me. Marshawn, yeah, you know what? I'm calling Marshawn right after this. Marshawn, you got to get up there. Let's, let's let's get these. Let's respect. Let's respect these running backs. And um, but no, I, I think it's great for him. I'm happy for him. And um, you know, and when he's you know he's ascended to this individual space, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, it kind of reminds me a little bit uh, of like Derrick Rose, you know, like Mm -hmm. he ascended to this space and then suddenly, you know, it's like, well, the talent is there, you know, just got to it just has to come all together. So hopefully for Cam and football that it will come back for him. And, uh, you know, I've never been a Patriots fan, as you know, I'm I'm an (laughs) avid Lions fan, Mm -hmm. but I'm rooting for Cam. Yeah, I'm a Lions guy. I'm I'm, going to take my I'm going to take my my lumps with the Lions, but I'm really rooting for Cam this year in the uh, in the AFC. Absolutely. And joining us now, you mentioned the coaches having a great coach in your life and that being an important thing. One of those guys is J.R. Reed, who had a great coach in college, Dean Smith at the University Uh. of North Carolina, and then jumps up uh, to the NBA. Now joining us now is J.R. Reed. 
Before we get to J.R. Reed, quick break to get a word from our sponsors. Mealtime. It's coming. So, what's it going to be today? Gas station hot dog? Frozen microwave mini meal? Soup from an envelope? Or are you ready for something uncommonly delicious, like the famous hook and ladder sub from Firehouse Subs? The hook and ladder is one of our most popular subs for good reason. We start by piling your sub high with freshly sliced smoked turkey breast and Virginia honey ham. Then we top it with melted Monterey Jack. And then, oh man, it's served piping hot in a perfectly toasted roll. This is no ordinary sub. This is the melt-in-your-mouth meaty masterpiece. The hook and ladder from Firehouse Subs. Save time and order yours on the Firehouse Subs app or on firehousesubs.com. And we'll have it hot and ready to go at our rapid rescue-to-go area inside Firehouse Subs. This is no ordinary sub shop. This is Firehouse Subs. Welcome to Firehouse. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Summer's here, and it's time to enjoy the season. That means it's time to feed your yard with Scott's. It's easy to help your lawn stand up to summer's wear and tear, to keep it lush and green and help prevent those brown spots. It's time to get outside and enjoy every day. And Scott's has got you covered, because even though this summer may feel different, the best things never change. So let's get to it. It's time to enjoy your yard. Scott's, it's good out here. Now let's get to our interview with the legend himself, J.R. Reed. Going on, guys. There's the hey, big fella. Hey, what's going on, Mr. Reed? <laughs> That's Mr. Reed. You know, I remember seeing oh. Mr. Reed at about 17, 18. He was this young <laughs> kid from down there in Virginia. Came, beat up the whole camp, you know. <laughs> <laughs> what's going hey, on, man, Jay? I didn't know we one way back then. Yeah, hey, hey, he had this high top fade. I was like, what's that all about? You know what I'm saying? We didn't know that in Detroit. You know, we Come didn't on, know. It was a DC thing. That was a that was a Virginia, Northern Virginia, DC thing. So yeah, that wasn't nothing nothing new. Everybody was rocking that in Philly, Philly South, man. That's yeah. what we were doing. I hear you, man. That's I appreciate a, the, you. That was the first thing I said to BJ. I was like, JR is going to hop on. He's like, he's up with King Rice now. He's like, they got the high top fades. <laughs> <laughs> man, we hear that so much on Twitter, man. They throw up those old pictures, man. We get that all the time. Absolutely. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, JR, so I'll, I'll ask you about that, and then we'll just get into it right now. I mean, being a, a former basketball player, right, a former former NBA player, we're, we're in this world of nostalgia. People like to go back to the 90s. You know, you'll see those Hornets teams that you and BJ were on, and they'll say, oh, remember remember the good times when, when this is what basketball was like. Do, do you feel that way when you see people put up those pictures, or is it kind of like, man, people are strange? <laughs> well, I know, man. They love pulling up stuff on Twitter, and that's my source of entertainment, man. Videos and memes on Twitter keep me going, but they pull up stuff from the old school. And I just, you know, that's part of the game. You know, and I, I, I like it. You know, if I'm remembered from my high top fade a little bit, that's cool. But um, just to be remembered at all is always a blessing. Well, Jay, we got so much to discuss. I remember, I think it was that ABCD, ABCD camp in Princeton when we first met. You were like a junior. I think you were one year behind me mm-hmm. uh, here is when we first met. But before we get to that, I never knew that coaching was in your in your future. I never saw this. How did <laughs> Coach Reed? Is that what I mean? Like, I never saw this one coming. You know, like when did this happen? 
I got to tell you, you know, my father was a coach, man. My father was a longtime um, uh, football and basketball coach. He coached Dave Robinson early in middle school. He, did, he uh, coached Herbert Scott, played for the Cowboys in football, had Plastico Burris for a little while. So wow. coaching was always in my, it's in my blood. Now, you just remember me as a player now, but, <laughs> you know, right now, now I'm getting an opportunity. I just hate that I waited so long to get in with King Rice up here in Monmouth and just having the opportunity to work with the youth of today, you know, trying to show these guys how to go about getting it and doing it the right way and they can get it done and be successful doing it the right way, behaving, respecting the game and respecting other people. And it's just been so much fun for me to be able to put my fingerprints on and work with young people today. Well, Jay, you you know, before I, I got to ask this, you were a very physical player. You like to touch bodies. <laughs> you played in an era, you played in an era where, you know, that was, you know, if I was running through the lane, you know, I, he was just going to let me know. Yeah, he was going to knock me around a little bit. You know, that was understood. That's right. That's what now we you're. Now, coach, you're playing in the game where stretch fours. <laughs> Everyone's right. shooting fadeaways. Everyone's shooting threes. So how is Coach Reed different from the player, JR? Oh, <laughs> I wonder. Hey, it's, it's miles between those two different things. But first, I'll say, when I first came in the league, BJ, you know, I was a back-to-the-basket player, as you we were just right. talking about. We were taught then guys were paid from the inside out. So I was a post-up guy. Once I got to the NBA first couple, three years, we realized not till I got traded to San Antonio and I got a chance to work with Coach Thibodeau. And not till I got with him and he's like, Jay, man, they're lying to you. are not a center. You got to be a four slash three. I worked with him. We started working on inside pivots, rip-throughs, jump shots, shooting three, four, five hundred jump shots a day. And BJ, as you remember when I played with you in Charlotte, for me, my second time, I was a much different player when I came back from France than when I had left the NBA that one season. So I had a chance to work on my game, and I became more of a pick-a-pop player who posted up as well. So my game has expanded, and that's what I tell these young guys now. I say, I'm a guy that's seated on every level. I've done everything that you're even thinking about doing. I've done it. I can show you how to do it, how to achieve it. I graduated, left school a year early, my junior season. Still graduated two years later. I need 12 hours. So I can show them and show, not by just talking to them, showing them what I did, what you need to do to be success, successful in this game. And, and JR, I have to ask you about, you know, you mentioned going to Charlotte and developing your game, but for some reason, the Charlotte Hornets seem to have this affinity within the space of like fashion and culture and all these different things. And, and people look at those rosters, you know, they go through it. They're like, there's Muggsy Bogues, there's Vladi Divac, there's JR Reed, there's BJ Armstrong, there's Bobby Phils, all these guys that they go. And, and it just creates this, this like sort of weird legacy with the Hornets. I mean, do you feel that when, when people meet you, do they remember you from the Hornets days or they remember you from North Carolina or do they remember you from Monmouth being on the bench mob? I mean, what yeah. is it that they specifically point to? <laughs> well, I wasn't there for the bench mob in Monmouth. Okay. But most of the time, that's an interesting question. I get remembered a lot from college basketball in North Carolina, of course, one of the most followed teams in the country. A lot from being in the Charlotte Hornets because when we came in the league, we led the league in attendance. Even though we were terrible, <laughs> we led the league in attendance and had cool uniforms. So mm -hmm. everyone really liked the Charlotte Hornets from then. And 
And then I had a blessing that once I left Charlotte, when they weren't a very good team, wasn't probably the best situation for me, I was blessed to go to very good teams after that because I think a lot of it had to do with staying professional, doing the little things that you need to do to be a good teammate on a, on a very good team. So from Charlotte, I went to San Antonio. I went to the Knicks. I went overseas and came back to Charlotte again. And we went to the second round of playoffs. I played for the Lakers. So I've had an opportunity to play with really, really good teams from just being, you know, a hard-nosed player that, 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 that tried to be professional. I have to ask you, you mentioned going to the second round in the playoffs. I mean, in the last dance, you know, Michael Jordan's 10-part documentary series, they they played that out and they gave us the B.J. Armstrong-Michael Jordan showdown that the world had been waiting for. In that game, did, did you notice that that was happening? Obviously, you know Michael from the North Carolina days as well, and you knew that B.J. and Michael had their own, you know, background going into that. Were you aware of that? Were you telling B.J. to shut up? Or, or was anyone telling B.J. to shut up? Or were you guys just enjoying it? Man, we'll let B.J. do what he had to do. <laughs> BJ was making it happen, man. So whatever BJ was doing, we were going with it. However long it was going to last, we were going on that block. <laughs> I was going to tell you that well, BJ was so instrumental in that playoff, man, just the nuances of the offense, the things that he gave us on that team. You know, we had a pretty good team there in Charlotte. We had some dudes. And uh, we, gave, we gave Mike a good run, but of course, you know, Mike is going to be Mike. But um, I enjoyed that series a great deal. No, that, that that was great. Jay, tell me about what is, you know, you've played for a lot of different coaches in the NBA, and I'm sure you've taken little bits and pieces from every coach. As Jr. now coach, what is your style as you're trying to integrate to this new generation? How are you communicating with them? What's your style as far as, you know, what's, how are you coaching now at the collegiate level? I and mean, that's an absolute great question, BJ. And for me right now, I'm leaning on my, my head coach, King Rice, longtime friend. Um, I'm learning from him. But for me, and what we talk about so much is what you just hit on a little bit, today's player, how they differ from how you and I and King and I were when we were coming up. So we've had, you have to change your coaching style some and, you know, be ready to listen a little bit more. You know, you can't be a yeller and a screamer. You know, you have to be able to identify with them and they have to be able to relate to you and before you want to be uh, be able to play the way that you want that you want them to play. So that's what I'm trying to work on now, building relationships, building trust, letting them know that I'm a guy that they can rely on. They can call me any time of the day. And BJ, a lot of the guys, most of the guys on the team, they call me JR, which I have right. no problem with. I have no problem with. Coach Rice asked me, do I have a problem with that? And I said, no, not at all. You know, and that's a closeness that I have with these guys on this team and that if they feel they need to talk to me, maybe something's happened, I always tell them, tell me. Let me be the in-between, the go-between guy between you and Coach Rice, and let me try to soften the blow with something that's really serious that we need to talk about. So they realize that I'm here for them, and especially that Coach Rice is here for, for them as well. And we're just enjoying getting to build something great here, Mom. You, you know, Jay. So, there's a, there's a story I always like to share, and it actually involves you. That has <laughs> made a huge impact. It made a huge impact on my life as a as a young kid. And wow. um, when we played you guys down at in North Carolina, and we beat you guys. You, you, we yes. beat you guys. But then that's yes, another conversation. No. In all seriousness, but when we played you guys, and we won the game down there. 
Coach Smith came in our locker room like two minutes after the game had ended. And he came in our locker room and he shook everyone's, every player's hand and called them by name. And I had no idea, like, he even knew who I was or why would he do something like that. But it was just the class in which he demonstrated in that moment. Well, first of all, BJ, let me say, you guys came in and really stuck it to us at our place. Right. As I recall, you guys played a heck of a game. Second of all, that's how, that's just how Coach Smith was as a man. No, now I'm going to mention a basketball coach or whatever, anything to do with basketball. He came over and, and wanted to celebrate your greatness and how good you guys were that day. And you guys did play a heck of a game, as I remember. And, and um, that's just the type of person he is. And Coach Smith, you know, life lessons that he taught us, man, we, we still work and tell stories to our players now. They always hit home. You know, no one's greater than the team. You know, if you all lay it on the line, you all play as hard as the guy next to you, great things that happen for us all. Life lessons that he taught us were just passing on out to a younger generation. And it's you talk about the changing culture of college basketball and just basketball in general. I mean, it's a different experience if Bob Knight is your head coach in 1980, <laughs> and you're talking about getting yelled at and, and sort of that, that, that was the way to motivate people at the time. But Dean Smith was always mild-mannered. He'd always seemed to have a, a relationship that, you know, we talked about the Carolina family and it was just different. And now, you know, Coach K and Kyle Perry, all these guys have sort of adopted that version of Dean Smith. Do you ever feel like you, you want to point out to the world that Dean Smith was the originator of this, you know, because because Coach K is looking great right now. And everyone's like, what a great man. And I'm like, uh, he's doing a Dean Smith impression. <laughs> hey, Coach K, first of all, has done a great a great job at Duke, I must have to say it, first and foremost. So yep. fabulous, runs a fabulous program and his stance and coming out about Black Lives Matter. That was big, fabulous. that was big. So yeah, it really was. And um, Coach Smith, now back to Coach Smith, Coach Smith was a person, a lot of things. You know, everyone talks about, you know, uh, metrics and everything like that. Coach Smith was doing points per position since the 60s or maybe before <laughs> that, you know, and that's what, Coach Smith was an innovator. His fast break. I don't think I ever ran a, any other secondary break since middle school in the Carolina. <laughs> secondary. I, I didn't even know anything else. DJ, tell me if I'm lying. I didn't know anything else existed. You know, so yeah. So Coach Smith's influence on the game is well recognized, and all the great coaches that borrowed from him, and everybody that watches basketball, those that know know that Coach Smith's handprints and fingerprints and his knowledge of the game. And wisdom is always flowing through this game. Mm. Mm -hmm. Jay, do you think now that you're coaching and you're obviously exploring the game technically, do you think the game will ever come back to the bigs? You're seeing the impression of small ball and, you know, the, 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 I mean, you have to be able to counter that, right? The way the game is played. You watch college basketball, you're seeing more and more threes. You're seeing the impact of, you know, the Warriors in particular, Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, these guys. Do you think the game will ever come back? Well, Not maybe well, like it used to uh, used to be, but do you think it will resemble back like, you know, when you play? Well, I think, you know, one thing I know for certain about this game of basketball that is ever evolving, and I know that it's changing, changing every day, and I'm certain that it's going to go back to the way that it was eventually. We just need that that player. We need another dominant post player, player like Shaq, or the next guy that comes along will be better than Shaq. You know, we need a guy dominating the post like that with other teams to say, hey, now we've got to get big guys 
to contend with that. You know, and I think when that happens and we'll see another flow and the game will start to change a little bit, and I think you'll see best basketball uh, change faces a little bit. And there's a ripple effect, too. I mean, if Greg Oden in 07 comes into the league and stays healthy and he's dominating in the post, you know, who knows if we ever even get to the point where there's a Steph Curry and a Clay Thompson because Greg Oden, the Trailblazers, are, you know, with, with Dame Lillard running the pick and roll or dominating basketball and the, and the game sort of stays the same. You know, you know that's there's, right. there's that's always, great. yeah. Great analysis, absolutely. And, I, and you know, that's, that's exactly what it is. You know, basketball's like that. Now, if a team comes along where there's a big man and wins the championship with a big in the post, and guess what? They're a copycat league, and next year, everybody will have a big man trying to match who whoever won the championship did. So you're absolutely right in what you just said. And I want to ask you, uh, JR, I mean, the, one of the things we're talking about was the fundamentals of basketball, and, and BJ mentioned the ABCD camp back in the day, and now we see all the, 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 the Nike, AAU, and Adidas, all these other guys. But back in your time in the 80s, there was, you know, five-star camp, BC camp, ABCD camp. Those camps were all kind of popping up. As far as, you know, the fundamentals of the game, do you miss having a specific, you know, like I can point to this camp and say I want a player to go there because they're going to learn about rip-throughs or whatever it may be, and I know that's going to develop them into a better player. Do you miss having a camp like that? I miss having it, but right now I think basketball has evolved so much that now the training is so much better than what we had back in the day. And I think players are doing individual workouts. They're getting much better work than when they could get a camp. For me now, being a coach, I like those camps that you just spoke about because you can go and see the best players in a good surrounding going against each other, against the best competition. How do you react when you don't always have success? How do you react when you're playing against a player that's a little bit better than you or maybe bigger than you? Did you fold up or did you stay resilient? Those situations and playing in camps like that that's what built, built me as a player, going to Five Star and going to ABCD camp like BJ talked about. For me, I went as a rising sophomore. I got to go as a rising sophomore and every year up until my senior year, up and, you know, until I graduated. So for me, those camps built who I was, gave me a national platform for me to go out, go out and showcase my skills to, to the public. And uh, that's where I think the most value in camps like that are. Mm-hmm. Well, well, Jay, I, I just want to say this. Now it's 30 years later. <laughs> that rip through that you used to do with that jump hook, that was man. a monster move. Man, and man. you was already you was already checking body parts as a young kid. Like, <laughs> like I mean, where, where, where did that come from? Where did I mean, I can still see that jump hook. You checking the rip through. Hey. I mean, that was just something that you developed or was that just natural to you? Well, as a kid, man, I was always big as hell kid, a giant, and my dad used to always teach. He would teach me, don't apologize for being big and stronger than other kids. Don't play half speed. You always go as hard as you can. One day when you're able to play full speed and you're on a level, you'll, you'll be able to use all your abilities. And my dad was an ex-football player, got drafted by the Baltimore Colts, as I told you before, was a coach. So for me, I used to watch a lot of television and, uh, I used to go and watch my favorite players. Being from Virginia, my guy was Moses Malone. Always. <laughs> Petersburg. So I watched those guys. I grew up watching the Kim Olajuwon and Ralph Sampson. Then Terry Cummings, the reason why I wore number mm. 34. David Greenwood, another reason I wore number 34. I watched those players. Then I would go to court. And James Worthy and mm. watch mimic their moves. So I would go and watch the Kim Olajuwon's footwork. It was just fabulous. 
stole a lot of his stuff, stole a lot from Ralph, ran the court like James Worthy or attempted to as a young kid, <laughs> you know? So I would borrow and sample. And my dad always told me he could never block a jump hook. No one blocks a jump hook. So BJ, you'll see me, man. Even the guys on the team, we watch old games <laughs> video. They're like, dude, do you do anything else, coach? It's just all you do is jump hooks. That's about 60%. That's all I'm going to do. <laughs> Well, Jay, I've never, I've never, I've never told you this, but I want to tell this to you here. Every week when we were in college, we uh -huh. would look at the game and we would try to compare our high top fade to yours. <laughs> you, you, you were, you were the level of excellence for the high top fade. I'm just, I'm just telling you in that generation. I don't know what y'all was doing down there in Chapel Hill, but it was always tight. It was always perfect, <laughs> and you might have been sweating, but your tie top fade was <laughs> no one touched that. <laughs> Look, I barbered out of Chapel Hill, kept it straight, man, and you know that was our little thing, man. If you got a CBF game, you had to make sure. You oh man, yours was tight. Prime oh time. man, it was it was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Well, JR, we appreciate you coming on Pushing Through. We appreciate you sharing some stories. I think we could get into a myriad of more if we had to. I mean, before before we let you go, is there one locker room story you have from BJ? Is there anything that he did to you on the, on the Hornets that you remember that you want to point out? Hey, man, no, leave that. No, BJ, BJ was a great teammate. No, no, BJ was, that was, was great. But uh, I just remember those Hornets team, rest his soul, and Anthony Mason and those guys, mm. we used to play a lot of, a lot of dice back on the back yeah. of the bus. And I always, always say, Mace, man, I really appreciate you, bro. You really supplemented my income. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. Uh, yeah, I that's a... all the money in my mess bag. I <laughs> that's the right thing. <laughs> with a mess bag full of cash and walk by all the coaches. Like, I don't know why you guys keep playing with JR. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's man. funny. That's amazing. Uh, that's amazing. Well, thanks, Jr. We appreciate you coming on, man. Hey, all right, man. be good, Jay, man. Hey, hey, all the best, on, Jay. And if anything you need, man, uh, hey, we call, we hear, man, anything. And uh, all the best to you, bro. Stay safe. Same all right, here, guys. Hey, hey. You guys are doing great stuff, guys. Thanks for having me on.